0: So if you want to turn in your Bibles or you can look at your notes to Zechariah chapter 3, uh, I'm going to confess that when we were looking and going through the Bible and looking at all the passages that had to, had to do with angels, um, since this is such an obscure passage, I, I, I figured I probably wouldn't get caught. Um, I skipped it because I knew we would come to it now. Um, so uh, I'm just laying on my cards out here. And this is a strange passage. A very strange passage, and um, if you want to have some fun, just read commentaries as they all try to deal with this, this passage. Uh, but we're going to look at it from a particular light of uh, today, what we're talking about is, is spiritual warfare and engaging the enemy that we have. As we start, let's, let's open up in prayer. Father God, Lord, as we uh, look at this passage in Zechariah, uh, we look at this passage in Jude, Lord, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart. Lord, you promised us that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. And so, Lord, I pray that he would function in that capacity tonight. Lord, I pray as we dig deeply into this text, Lord, that uh, you would help us to see what you would have us to see here. Lord, that this would strengthen our walk. And God, I pray that this would... um, Lord, help us to be more like Jesus, and help us as we fight against an enemy that is has our destruction in mind. Lord, we love you, and we uh, are excited about what we have to learn tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to turn again to Zechariah chapter 3, um, not Zephaniah chapter 3, which is where I was in my Bible, um, the text starts out it says, uh, by the way, Zechariah is walking us through visions. We looked at two of the visions um, about six weeks ago. We're now getting to the the third vision, which again, uh, I kind of on purpose sneaky-sneaky skipped. And uh, so Zechariah is being shown different things, and the the angel of the Lord is showing him different things. And when we did look at Zechariah, we saw that the angel of the Lord in reference here uh, is in fact the second person of the Trinity, Um, So that's who the he is in that very first pronoun. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So here we have uh, Joshua who is the the high priest in, in, in Israel at this time after they've returned from Babylon He is standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan is on his right hand. And so Satan is doing the job that he does, which is functioning as the accuser. This is a very interesting look at the, the same thing that we saw in the book of Job. This is a look from heaven's viewpoint. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. And notice that the Lord is that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D... And whenever we see that in our English translation, we know that that is a translation of Yahweh, uh, the the, the formal name for God. So the angel of the Lord, uh, the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord has chosen Jerusalem. Rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was standing before the Lord clothed with filthy garments. Now I want to, uh, without getting too... Um, we're in mixed company without, without being vulgar um, the, the Hebrew word here that says that they're filthy garments says that they were covered in feces they were defiled they were f- filthy so it was um, something that if Joshua as the high priest has garments that are defiled that invalidates his ability to serve before the Lord he is ceremonially unclean so he's standing there. He's clothed with filthy garments. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, remove the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, behold, I have taken your iniquity away from you and I will clothe you with pure vestments. And I said, let him put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with, gar- with garments. And the angel of the Lord was standing by. So... Um, This is probably one of the most beautiful pictures of salvation in the Old Testament. Here is a man who's attempting to serve before the Lord and he's wearing muck-covered garments that make him unclean. He is standing before the Lord trying to do his service and the enemy is there pointing out his faults. He is wrong. He's making accusations and he's pointing out He can't do this. He's wrong. God, you know this. And God doesn't disagree with Satan that that's the case. But Joshua, because they've returned from from exile, has no ability to clean his own garments. He can't do the work to clean his own garments, so God gives him fresh clothes. And God cleans him and places a turban on his head. What a beautiful picture of salvation. We come before God and there's nothing we can do about our sinfulness. And the enemy is going to accuse you and point out all of your failures and your weakness. I think last week I quoted Martin Luther when he said, When the enemy reminds me that I'm a great sinner, and the enemy will remind you that you are a great sinner. Often. Often. When the enemy reminds me that I'm a great Savior, it cheers me because a great sinner requires a great Savior, and I have a great Savior. And so here, the high priest Joshua is standing before the Lord, clothed in these filthy garments. God commands these, these people to change his garments And then the angel of the Lord solemnly assured Joshua, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways and keep my charge, then you shall rule my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you the right of access among those who are standing here. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant, the branch, For behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts. I'll remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. And that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and fig tree. So here we see Joshua unable to do anything. Now tell me, as you read this story, think in your mind, what has Joshua done? What authority has he taken? Who is the actor in this story? Is it Joshua? Joshua doesn't do anything here. It's God who is doing the work. It's, and it's God who says to the enemy, The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. Now, I, that quote we see again in Jude chapter 1, verse 9. Jude only has one chapter, so it always confuses me when I see Jude 9. But Jude 9 says... When the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Now, in this case, we have Michael the archangel coming against Satan over a dispute about Moses' body. We have no other details about what's going on here. We don't know... um, What's, what the argument is about the body whether Satan wanted the body whether Satan wanted the body to be buried somewhere no we don't know the Bible doesn't tell us um, in the second century uh, there's one of the church fathers wrote that there was a book at that time that, that everyone in Israel knew that talked about this dispute between the devil and um, and 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 uh, the archangel, we don't have access to that book. God didn't see fit to leave it with us. We don't know what the book says. We don't know what it's talking about. We know, though, that Scripture is inerrant, and so at least this part that's being (coughs) referenced here actually happened because God's Word's never wrong. Notice that Michael doesn't dispute. He doesn't he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment. Michael, the archangel, did not say to Satan, you're rebuked. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Which tells me, in the first text, we saw that the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And then the the second text in Jude 9, Michael says, the Lord rebuke you. And so... One of the things that this has, these two texts have enlightened me about, is that um, I don't have any authority with Satan or demons. None. I have an enemy that I can't fight, as Tom Harrison, even as a redeemed person. The fact that I'm saved doesn't give me authority to speak against or stand against Satan. I am flesh and blood. I have no authority whatsoever. Michael, an archangel, didn't feel like he had authority. He called on God to rebuke Satan. He didn't take that on himself. So, that tells me that in my spiritual warfare, the position that I, I choose to take and what I see as a biblical position is that I don't personally ever say things in my prayers even like, God uh, I bind Satan in Jesus' name, or um, any of that kind of language that we hear in the church, what I do is pray, God, I pray that you would rebuke my enemy. I, I think I've shared with the church before, but I want to share it with you guys again tonight. Um, there are psalms... That are called imprecatory psalms. They are songs that that most often it's David uh, wrote that we don't really get usually. Um, in fact, I, I recently was watching a debate um, between uh, two uh, a believer and a non-believer about um, the. The debate was actually about homosexuality. And the non-believer said, so you're going to use the Bible as your authority, but the Bible also says that um, God rise up and bash the heads of of my enemy's babies on the stones. That's an example of an imprecatory prayer. Another one is uh, Psalm chapter 2, where David is praying. He says, Um, Ask of me in Psalm 2.8, ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. So here David is praying for God to literally burst people apart like a potter's vessel, like a piece of, of, uh, a shard of of glass. Um, In Psalm chapter 3 is another imprecatory prayer that... um, we, we, don't, we don't sing about in church. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the cheek. Break the teeth of the wicked. Now let me translate that into mo- the modern vernacular. God, take my enemies, punch them in the face, and knock their teeth out. I haven't heard this psalm put into a hymn lately. Have you? Have you you've been singing? And Lord, rise up and break the teeth out of my enemies. I, we just don't sing that, do we? That one doesn't, doesn't get played that much. And there, there are about 18 or 19 uh, imprecatory psalms where uh, David is specifically praying that God would crush his enemies, sometimes in very very um, clear language. And For most of my Christian walk, I've read those and and felt uncomfortable. I remember uh, I kind of have a thing that that I do when I'm I'm shepherding someone uh, as they near death. um, That I will sit at their bedside and read through the Psalms to them. Uh, I've told some of you the story of uh, uh, there was a gentleman who um, was a big man and a great man in his community... um, He had been a tobacco farmer for 60 years and had, you know, 1,200, 1,400 acres and had broken off little 40-acre plots and given to all of his kids. And so they, literally, all of his kids lived in like this semicircle around this massive farm. And everybody in the community knew him and loved him. And he had a reputation of being almost bigger than life kind of a person who everybody respected and loved. And uh, he got stomach cancer, which those of you who have been around someone with stomach cancer knows that that's a very painful uh, cancer and it, it can be a long, difficult death. Well, I was my first pastor. I didn't know how to help this man at all. He's a strong member of my church, a deacon in my church, uh, had loved the Lord. And so that, I just went over one day and sat down by his bed and started reading Psalms out loud. And it was really out of ignorance. I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to help him, and he was so medicated because of the pain that I felt like that. I, nothing that I could do was actually helpful. And he had a very strong family, so the family was taking care of everything. Sometimes when you can do a physical act to help somebody that makes you feel like you're helping them, and, you know, the kids were feeding the dogs and, and they didn't want me on their tractor to bush all because they forgot to tear it up. And, and all the things that, that, that you know, you want to do to try to help, I couldn't do. So I didn't know what to do. And I, so I sat there and read the Psalms. And I remember very, very well uh, thinking he wasn't hearing me and thinking that he, um, that I was wasting my time and this was stupid. And I got to Psalms 121. I cast my eyes to the hill from where my help comes. My help comes from the Lord. And I read through that psalm and started Psalm 122. And he reached up with a weary hand and tapped my Bible. Read it again. And so for the rest of that day, I just sat there and read one Psalm 121. And it comforted him. In fact, his family ended up having his headstone made with Psalm 121 on it because that comforted him at that time. But it, So that became now uh, my habit. Uh, if you ever wake up and I'm sitting beside your bed reading through the psalms, it's probably not a good prognosis. I'm just telling you. <laughs> just letting you know up front. Um, and so whenever I get to those imprecatory psalms, I'll, in the past I've always been kind of embarrassed. Uh, it's praying that God would smash the children of my enemies' heads against the rocks. When I moved to Turkey and experienced blatant, in-your-face spiritual warfare. God gave me those imprecatory psalms because I realized that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness in high places. The enemy's no stronger there than he is here. He's just better blinding me to what he's doing here. We're fighting the same enemy. But as I would share the gospel with a Turk and spend hours pouring into him and hear him say, well, I'm very glad that you believe in something. I'm glad that's good for you. And I realized that the devil was whispering lies into his ears and that he was believing those lies and living them. And I couldn't do anything to fight that enemy. I didn't have any strength against that enemy. But I read in Zechariah and Jude that God can do a lot with that enemy. And so all of a sudden, Psalm chapter 3 meant a lot to me because it was crying for God to rise up and break the teeth out of my enemy. God shut him up. Punch him square in the face. And so now this language that in the, in the past had been embarrassing because it seemed to be something from an age that we didn't live anymore and it didn't make a lot of sense. Now that I understood that this is my call to my God to fight against an enemy that I can't fight, all of a sudden I love these. You don't think the devil's lies have children? Hang around a church for a little bit. And so I pray, God, take my enemies' children and bash their heads against the stones. Kill them. When these rumors take off and start running, God, only you can shut them up. I can't. I can talk to 20 people and say, no, that's not the truth. Here's what's going on. And then 50 other people will hear the lie. I can't deal with it, but God can. And so now, all of a sudden, Psalm chapter 3, which I had been embarrassed about before, now became a, a psalm that I, on my knees on a daily basis, with tears streaming down my face, would pray. Let me read it. Oh Lord, how many are my foes! How many are rising against me! Many are saying of my soul, there's no salvation for Him in God. Selah. But you, O oh Lord, are shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and He answered me from His holy hill. Selah, I lay down and slept. Have you ever been so stressed you couldn't sleep? But if you know that you've got a guard on your back, you can rest. I lay down in sleep and I woke again for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set against me. No matter how many demons the enemy sets against me. If my God is on watch, who cares? Bring it, biggin! Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike my enemies on the cheek and you break out the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people, Selah. We can proclaim we serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and no plan that, God, that the enemy brings against us will prosper. So I remember in Turkey very well, many times people saying, because of some silly superstition, you can't do that. And I would look at them and say, Tanra Bili problem yoke. I know God, that's not a problem. The same God that that parted the Red Sea. The same God that made iron float. The same God that held back the rain for seven years and then made it rain. That's the God who's on your side. And so when we fight the enemy, the first thing you have to understand is you can't fight him. But you have a God. You have a God that created him. You have a God who will tell him, shut your mouth. Just like he did when he brought accusations against Joshua the high priest. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. As we do the things that God has called us to do, He will always do what He said He would do. Now that doesn't mean that everything is going to work out the way we want it today. There's no indication, like we said the other day, that Job went to his grave knowing that everything that had happened to him happened because of a conversation between God and Satan. You don't know what's going on in the background. But you do know the God who is in control. And although on this side of the Jordan, it may never seem to work out, we know that God is weaving together your history in such a way that will benefit you and bring the maximum amount of glory to him.